Welcome to The Inside. The greatest villains of all time have thrilled audiences at the movies. Darth Vader, Hannibal Lecter, Don Barzini, the Joker. For more than 100 years, the world is headed into cinemas knowing that in the end, the heroes always beat the bad guys and the force always wins out over the dark side. This week in Las Vegas, the heroes of our movie have come together to plot out a happy ending for our COVID cliffhanger. Live from CinemaCon in Las Vegas, this is the Insider's Show podcast. I am Jim Chabin in the Cineonic Laser Theater at Caesars Palace. And with me in person is our co-host for this series, Wim Byans. He serves as CEO of Cineonic, and he's right beside me here in person at CinemaCon. Wim, uh, it's great to see you here. How did you get into the U.S.? Well, you know, first of all, the first time we do the podcast being, you know, live here, so, yeah. so fantastic, yeah. But, you know, it's been tough to, to get here, to be honest, from Europe. It took me a five-week approval, and Friday evening at six o'clock, you know, the U.S. Uh, embassy said, yes, you can go, right? So, outside of that, you know, it's been fantastic being here, uh, but, uh, and it's been, uh, it's been a fantastic show till now. It has, and uh, we want to send out congrats to the National Association of Theater Owners and the team at CinemaCon for getting this event uh, uh, grounded and and off to a great start. The participants that I've talked to are really, really grateful that this event is happening and they're here to do business. Um, so far, we have seen clips from the studios for the movies that are destined to come out for the balance of the year. James Bond, No Time to Die, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Matrix 4, Dear Evan Hansen, Dune, Shang-Chi from Marvel and The Eternals, uh, directed by Chloe Zhao, who won the the Oscar for Nomadland last year, Top Gun, Tom Cruise, and West Side Story for Christmas from Steven Spielberg. Those are just a few of the titles. So the question is, can we get these movies into theaters and can we get fans back into the theaters? And honestly, Wim, we, it's virtually impossible to have picked two better guests to join us here today at CinemaCon. Absolutely. You know, we, we're very proud to have, uh, you know, our esteemed guest here today. So absolutely. John Fithian is regarded as the Dean of Entertainment Industry Leaders and Association Leads. He joined NATO in the year 2000 and has served as president and CEO to advance the movie-going experience while growing the health of his worldwide membership in the U.S. and 97 countries. His all-time favorite movie is Gandhi, and at the movies, he orders Diet Cokes and Nachos with Cheese. Welcome, John. Thank you, Jim. It's great to have you. Also with us is Mark Cerati. After serving the Walt Disney Company for more than 30 years, including as president of the Motion Picture Group, in 2015, Mark joined Cinemark as CEO. Most recently, he announced to be stepping down, but still remains at the board uh, of the company. Regine Campbell assuming the CEO role for more than 6,000 screens. Mark, you continue being one of the most highly regarded execs within the movie business and it's our pleasure to have you here with us. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much. So, John and Mark, thanks for making the time on this busy CinemaCon schedule. Let me uh, start with you, John, if I may. This is NATO's show. Congratulations on bringing this event this year. Um, it, it is probably the most important moment of this year, we believe. What have been your aspirations for this week? And what are your thoughts? What are your takeaways? Um, uh, when we return back to an industry event like this? 
Well, thank you for asking that question and for doing this podcast here from our show, um, live and in person. Our, our business is live and in person, right? We're about people leaving their homes, coming out to watch movies and cinemas and enjoying a shared collective experience. And we've been doing that now for months as we come out of this pandemic. And millions of patrons all around the world have been coming uh, to cinemas. Uh, and they've been coming uh, safely, right? And so as we met with our board of directors, and Mark is on our board of directors, le- looking toward this show, there was never a doubt that we were going to hold it. Um, we knew there were going to be challenges, right? We knew that some, uh, for, for their individual reasons of, of risk calculation, didn't want to come, and that's fine. We knew that many people, though, wanted to come and wanted to get back to doing business together with their partners. And that means the studios presenting all kinds of product. And Jim, you described some of the great stuff that we've seen uh, so far, and we're only halfway through the show, right? Uh, It means equipment companies like Cineonic that provide really important technologies that make the movie-going experience what it is, a chance to meet with our members and do business. Um, It it means the concession companies that make our popcorn and our hot dogs and our sodas are here showing off their new flavors on our trade floor, and people are going to sample these things and and make new orders. Um, But Beyond all those specifics, it's just about holding the show, getting back together, and making a statement to the world that the big screen is back. And that's that's why our board said we're a go, and we're we're, we're glad they said that. So, Mark, what does it what does it mean for you being back at the show here? You know, this is a, it's a little bit like old home. You know, I've been coming to this show since it was a show uh, show West, and uh, it was it was actually very interesting because when Sony showed the Ghostbusters the other night. I was so excited about seeing it. And I, I kind of hate to admit this whim, but I was here in 84 when they brought the original movie. Okay. And, and so, uh, you know, it was, it's, this has always been, uh, just part of what the exhibition business is about. And I spent the majority of my career on the other side of the table on the studio side. And for the past six years, I've been able to experience the exhibition side. It's been exhilarating and I've enjoyed every minute of it. John, what are your members? What do they need in order to fill their theaters again, you know, back? And um, what are they hearing from, what are you hearing from theater owners? Um, how are they navigating in the current state of affairs, right? What can you tell them? Yeah, there's a lot to that question. I'll try not to do the 60-minute version uh, in the answer because there's a lot going on uh, for, uh, for the members. What they need to get people to continue to come back to cinemas in growing numbers, first and foremost, is great movies, right? And that's a huge part of what this week is about, is showing them great movies or clips of great movies. Um, And we're very encouraged by the schedule coming into the fall and winter. And, of course, the schedule in 2022 looks absolutely fantastic. Um, Yesterday on the stage, the leadership of MGM said, for example, that the James Bond movie is happening in October, right? And remember, that was the first movie that moved way back at the beginning of this pandemic. Uh, so to have that statement here at our convention is huge. Uh, lots of other distributors will follow that lead of the Bond film. And so we believe we're going to have a pretty strong slate. Um, but millions and millions of people around the country and around the world have, have been coming back to the cinemas in growing numbers. Um, and we think that'll continue in, into 2022 as well. But the other part of what it takes to get people back is to make sure the experience is the best that it can possibly be. Right? We don't make the movies, we show them, but we need to show them in the best possible environment. 
that means having absolutely the best uh, sight and sound, the best images up on the screen you can have. Uh, you guys at Cineonic are tremendously helpful to us in this regard and in, in making that experience possible. Um, it means comfort. It means uh, safety and, and health aspects that we did not focus on as much before the pandemic as we're focused on now. Uh, but we're finding that when people come back and have that experience, see a great movie in a great theater with a great experience, they're coming back. So it's, it's, it's very exciting. When we look ahead, and again to you, John, here for two years, five years, right? So looking a little bit at the horizon, how do you see the industry evolving? And pe as people coming back to the movies, what do you believe is on the, on the horizon uh, from your point of view? Well, Mark can certainly talk about some of the things that he's doing at, at Cinemark because they are one of the most innovative uh, companies in the, in the world. Um, but over the next two to five years, I, I think we come back to and exceed the record-breaking box office numbers of, of 2019, right? We grossed 42-plus billion dollars around the world in 2019, and I think that number and more is in the not-too-distant future. We're not going to do it this year, right? Uh, next year, we'll, we'll, we'll take a run at it. Um, but over the next two to five years, I see a return to growth. And, and the reason why we see that is because we know what people's attitudes are having been stuck in their homes throughout this pandemic. They are excited to come back. Um, and we just need more people to get vaccinated. We need, we need the confidence level in the, the safety of going out to continue to increase. Um, and, and I think that'll, you know, that'll take some time, but certainly, certainly grow over the next year or two. Beyond that, since your question was about five years, we need to continue to innovate. We need to continue to have the best possible technologies. We need to continue to have the best possible experience because we always need to have something that you can't have at home. Uh, and that's, that's what companies like, like Cinemark are, are working on every day. So if I may pose the same question to you, Mark, you know, how do you see the next two to five years? What do you see on the horizon? Well, you know, uh, what, I think what we really accomplished in the last few years was I would say, you know, premier seating throughout, you know, across the circuit. And at Cinemark now, we have over 65% of our uh, locations now have, have the premium seating. And then we put a big emphasis in um, premier presentation. And so that's everything from large format to XD uh, to uh, D-Box uh, to Screen X, because exactly as John said, we want to provide the, the consumer something that they cannot get at home. And that's that immersive cinematic experience. So that's, that's absolutely critical to us. And, and the sight and sound is, is critical. And, and, and obviously part of that is the sound where we, we put in premier sound systems across the board, but now we're in the process of rolling out lasers across the circuit. And I'm, I'm excited to say, you know, in, in one of our most important markets in Dallas, Fort Worth, We've redone every screen in that whole DMA. Will you know is is laser at this point, and I think that's a a big upgrade that we can really push to the consumer as well. Something that's just not available in the home. Absolutely, yeah. Mark, my my most vivid memory of you is having the honor of introducing you to a group of exhibitors that were brought together in Singapore, and it was during the digital conversion. And you and Jeffrey Katzenberg, John Landau, this is before Avatar, Greg Foster from IMAX came and said, if you don't convert to digital cinema, yeah. you're going to miss out. And when John Landau got yeah. up, he had a clip from James Cameron saying, I've got a movie named Avatar. It's coming in 3D. If you're not digital, you yeah. can't get the movie. Uh, so this has been a part of your messaging for as long as I've, I've known you. Um, 
during this period, what kind of thinking has your team done as far as when we're allowed to have the customers back and they're starting to come back? What do we want them to have that um, uh, instills in them why they they are our customers? Yeah. You know, I, re I remember that very much. And I, I remember one of the things that we were really touting at the time because it's the early days of 3D. And we were showing off all the Pixar stuff that was in 3D and Pixar was very excited about it. And obviously the, the, uh, you know, the biggest proponent of, of 3D at the time was probably the other two gentlemen in the room, Jeffrey Katzenberg uh, and, of course, James Cameron. And so we're looking forward to Avatar coming back. I'm certain that, that Cameron will have a, a big effect at kind of relaunching a little bit of, of, of 3D there as well. But, but we, we look at all of these premium formats um, you know, is, are, are just critical. And because again, John said it and I, I'm going to say it again, you know, it's just important to have things from a sight and sound perspective, motion, 3D, on and on that we can do out of the home that you can't get within the home. So uh, Avatar is scheduled, Avatar 2 is scheduled for a little further than a year away, uh, but we can anticipate it's going to be in 3D. You can't watch a 3D movie at home. Well, you right. can't very well. You know, there, there is some right. technology that's not very good at, at home. I have one. Yeah. I have a and 3D so TV. I, and... I, I'm certain that will be be, yeah. be one of the things. But, you know, well, look, day, day in, day out, what we try and do at Cinemark and, and all of our, all the other exhibitors try and do, and that is to create an environment that, number one, is, is very healthy and clean and safe. And I think we've done that. And I think we convinced the consumer of that. And then, number two, that they can come back and uh, have a reasonable price. It's the it's probably the last affordable out of home entertainment for a family. You know, you can go to the movies, you can go to a Cinemark anywhere in the country for ten dollars. You can go Friday night, ten dollars. You're part of a movie club. You can go anytime you want to go. That's affordable out of the home entertainment, and we're committed to to continue to do that. Just a few weeks ago, we had Chris Aronson president of domestic distribution at Paramount on the podcast. And he suggested a 45 day as his idea of a, of a, of a good window. You have had two hats. You've, you've been on the studio side and now you're on the exhibition side. Do you have a sense of what is, is fair or smart and, and, and how this can get resolved? Well, I didn't know you were going to ask this question, but Chris and I have had that discussion multiple times. <laughs> All right. And, and, and the truth is that we really agree. You know, the days yeah. of, of a 74-day or a 90-day window, I really think are, are, beyond, are past at this point. And, 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 and we don't look backwards, we look forwards. And we think that um, there can be a vibrant theatrical business with a 45-day window. So, um, gosh, it was four or five months ago, we announced that we had done deals with every studio on a go-forward basis under terms and conditions that we're happy with. And we did it with dynamic windows. Sometimes the windows will be a little shorter than 45 days if it's a smaller or modest size movie. But for the big movies, that you know, that's really what we're looking for. John, you told a reporter recently that you don't mind creatives working on streaming services as long as they bring their best work to theaters. What does the theater experience do for creative people? for a director and for a producer? Well, obviously the, the creatives want their best work on the big screen, right? Um, if you look at, at, at some of those people you just referenced, like Jim Cameron, they, they will tell you that when they're, when they're making a movie, they have a theater audience in mind and how they shoot the movie, how they produce it, how they edit it. 
Um, and that's because that's the palette where they want to paint. They want to share big collective experience. They want the technology that's capable in the theater. Uh, creatives are our best allies uh, almost across the board. And it's always been the case that there's been an out-of-home experience and an in-home experience, except, you know, I guess you have to go back before the advent of television to not have that choice. Um, and there's always been a differentiation in the products that you alluded to at the beginning of your, of your uh, question. There have always been the consumer's perception of what is a movie made for theatrical release and what's a movie made for the home. And they're different. And that, that's true through television. It's true through VCR, DVD, and now it's true through streaming. And if you go down to the street and just ask, you know, your favorite um, movie fan customer, name the last 10 great movies you saw that were, that were made by and released on Netflix, um, they can't come up with 10, right? Then maybe they can come up with two. They know, they know Netflix for the great series and, and all the streamers for, uh, for, their, for their, I'll call it their television product. Uh, but people know movies because they played in cinemas. And they know movies because they played in cinemas because that's the right way to experience them. It has a greater impact on the cultural conversation. Um, and so we continue to believe, and we talk to these creatives all the time, that, that they have two different tracks in mind when they're making stuff. Um, now, the pandemic changed all that, right? And, and so uh, there, there was a period where you couldn't get your product up on screen. And, and so the streaming uh, capability became a different thing. But as, but as Mark alluded to, as we come out of the pandemic, uh, we're, we're having encouraging conversations with our distribution partners and our creatives uh, about getting back into theatrical releases with Windows. And that's, that's really encouraging. One of our colleagues told us if you go to a Disney theme park, you would be very, very pressed to find a ride that's named after a TV show. <laughs> right? They are all Beauty and the Beast. They're all pirates. They're, these are big rides because they're big IP that were created with a wave of worldwide publicity in, in theaters. Um, what do you, John, real quickly, what do you think is the optimal window? So that's, I'm a trade association executive and I represent over 900 companies. And so the antitrust laws kind of make it the case that Mark makes those decisions for his company and I don't make those decisions for the industries, right? And, and what, what I'll say though, without getting into specific links of windows with specific studios, is that there, there won't be one answer to that. I mean, keep in mind that a window to premium video on demand is different than a window to free on subscription is different to a window to DVD, right? And so people talk about the window as if there's one, there aren't. There are multiple windows and each studio has a different perspective on what is important in those multiple windows. And so our members are working through all those issues with the studios now. Um, and we're, we're, we're encouraged by it because as I said on stage, uh, here um, in my opening remarks, windows coming out of the pandemic won't be what they were before the pandemic. And you just heard Mark confirm that, but they're not going to be what they were during the pandemic either. And so it's about, it's about taking that step coming out of the pandemic and getting to, to release models that work for everybody in the industry. Mark. You know, uh, Jim, I'd add to that. We, we, use the, we use the term dynamic window. And, and really, that's just another word for flexible window. Because you know, on the big on the bigger blockbuster movies, I, I think the content providers want a want a longer window because it's going to be in their to their advantage to get as much of that box office as possible before it works its way down. And you know, it it starts with theatrical. It helps create the asset. It creates the franchise. It eventizes the movie. You get your highest per cap anywhere in the chain with a theatrical distribution. And these windows were created by the studios. 
That's who created them because they wanted the consumer to have multiple bites at the apple. So a customer sees a movie in a theater, they're much more likely to then enjoy it at home. I mean, the stats are really clear there. As much as 40 and 50% of the people that are viewing a product at home actually first saw it in the theater. And so it, it helps create the ancillary benefit along the way. And um, so I, 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 I think that, um, you know, the studios are realizing this. And as John said, there was a lot of tests and, okay, what are we going to do th during the pandemic when people can't get out of the house? But I'm extremely bullish on what the fourth quarter is going to look like because I think this country and the world is, is really seriously getting vaccinated now with the, the new FDA approval here. And so I'm hopeful, based on the increased vaccination uh, pacing, that, um, that the Delta variant, at least in this country, because we're going to be so vaccinated, will actually have a shorter tail than maybe some people would have thought uh, 30 or 45 days ago. Um, so I think the fourth quarter with the content that we have there, it, it might be a strong fourth quarter if I've, as I've ever seen. And if there's one thing that I've always loved about this business is, is looking at the release schedules and trying to figure out, you know, what movies are going to do really well. And the, the uh, studio's got outstanding content coming. I mean, and you talked about it in your, in your opening remarks. Can I jump on one thing Mark just said? Yeah, Cause yeah. I think it's really important to punctuate. And that is the, the, the flexibility of dynamic windowing is really important. And I alluded to this in my, in my speech on the Coliseum in the Coliseum is that it's not a one size fits all model. And that's really important to us because we want to bring more small and mid budget films back to theatrical release. There's been a little bit of a reduction in that. The blockbusters, the blockbusters, they do a ton of business for us all the time. Uh, and the blockbusters will get big, huge, long windows because that's how they play, right? But we're very excited about the conversations with all kinds of content providers that our members and we are having now about getting more mid-budget and smaller budget films in the cinemas. Um, and you do that with more dynamic windowing. The other way that you do it, and, and, our, and our friends at Cineonic are very familiar with this, is that we've, the digital cinema transition that you referenced involved something called a virtual print fee, and that was a barrier to entry to getting smaller films onto our screens, right? The P of P&A is prints, and the virtual print fee replaced the cost of the film prints in the old days. Well, those virtual print fee deals are all coming to an end, right? And so that means that the barrier to entry for smaller films, the cost has gone down tremendously. So you combine more dynamic uh, windowing capabilities with the end of the VPFs. And we think we're going to have a resurgence of, of small art films and mid-budget films and cinemas. And that's really exciting. We saw a great uh, clip from a film, King Richard, Will Smith playing yeah. the father of Serena and Venus Williams. It, it looks like an inspirational, yeah. fantastic movie. It's not going to be a $200 million yeah. opening weekend. doesn't have to be, but it's an, it's an adult movie for people who want to go feel great about a film. I, I, I'm gathering from what little we saw. So that plays to that right there. There, There is product there that get people back in the theaters of, of all ranges, right? Absolutely. And you know, Jim, there's going to be availability of um, alternative content as well. We, we, are, we are not opposed to looking and, and saying, what does Amazon have coming that, that has got real theatrical potential or Apple TV Plus or Netflix and doing some unique deals with them. Um, one of the things that I look back upon is had the Irishman been coming out right now, <laughs> as opposed to when it was, 
we would have played the Irishman. We would have made a deal with Netflix. It would have been on a flexible window, probably with some flexible terms. And Scorsese would have been very happy and audiences would have been very happy to have had, you know, a, you know, a, a 24 or a 31 day window on that title. And I think it would have been very, very successful. I stood in line at the Egyptian theater in Hollywood yeah. on a Friday morning to see the Irishman in a movie theater. And it was packed on a Friday morning right. of other people who are saying, I'm not going to see a Martin Scorsese yeah. movie yeah. With, with, with Robert yeah. De Niro yeah. and Joe Pesci on my flat yeah. screen. But the problem was it played in so few screens. Correct. And, and had Correct. it been today, we, we would have played it much broader. What you're saying is the, the industry's open yeah. to those to saying, come to yeah. bring us your movies and let's right. talk about how we can yeah. help you monetize yeah. this. So, Mark, you, you have an interesting, I would say, uh, viewpoint of, of being with the studios on one hand and being, you know, on the exhibition side on the other hand, right? Um, there's always been interesting, I would say, um, tension between the two, right, historically. But, but we all know that, that collaboration is, is the key word forward, right? What, is, what are your um, takeaways there? What, what can you give to, to, the, to the audience here to say, hey, those are the things as an industry, how we can yeah. strengthen ourselves, right? Yeah. You know, Wim, this is not something that that I think I've ever said in a in a public forum. I've said it to some friends, and people chuckle at it a little bit. But when when I left the studio side and came over to exhibition, you know, six years ago, I got quite a few phone calls from my friends at the studio saying, "So I see you're going to the dark side," and and the truth and and the truth is, it wasn't the dark side. It was, you know, illuminated by very bright laser and xeon bulb projectors around the world. And uh, obviously it was, you know, people were kidding. It was a joke. But the, the truth is that um, this business works because there is a tremendous collaboration. And, and it doesn't work when we just get in our corners and fight and say, you know, it's got to be my way or the highway. So the collaboration part of this is critical. Um, the change management is always hard, and COVID just absolutely was a an agent that 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 caused this to accelerate even greater. But I think we've all learned a lot from an exhibition side, and I think the studios have as well. And that's why we've been able, as well as our other major competitors, to effectively do deals with nearly every content provider as we look forward to 2022. There were tests going on. Obviously, Warner's had their giant test with HBO Max. Disney's had their test with 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 pre, with Premier Access, and a Universal has been doing some testing with PVOD. But we've effectively come to to agreements with most of them, with all of them for much of this year, and nearly all of them for 2022. Norman Schwarzkopf, uh, I love his line, which is "Remember on the battlefield." the enemy gets a vote yeah. and it's as if yeah. we're we've all the virus gets a vote here right has has this brought studios and exhibitors closer together in a more let's cut out the nonsense we will hang separately or we'll hang together right yeah one of the most inspiring encouraging things that happened during the pandemic is how each of the elements of the industry came together to preserve movie going as an option Right. Um, and we had to struggle lobbying Congress for grant money and tax relief to keep our members alive during the pandemic, because you you go from grossing forty three billion dollars to being shut down entirely. And the economic upheaval is tremendous in that situation. But 
studio executives were calling members of Congress, asking them to help the industry, the movie theater industry. Creatives, a hundred leading movie directors sign on to a letter to Congress to say, the movie going experience is an important part of our culture and our business. Please help them. Um, I, I had calls constantly from senior studio executives saying, how can we help? Because we all we all need to pull through this at the end. Uh, the design of safety and health protocols. Charlie Rivkin and the team at the Motion Picture Association worked very closely with us as they designed how to do movie production safely during COVID, and we designed how to do theater exhibitions safely during COVID. We hired the same epidemiologists and consulted jointly and figured out a plan on how to get back to making movies and how to get back to exhibit movies. And there are countless more examples. And you of did a great job communicating that to the to the ticket buying public too. You let the public know, hey, when you come to the theaters, give them the assurance. Right. What's, what's the confidence level right now with your, the, you, I know you guys track uh, customer sentiments. Yeah. Where is it right now heading into the You fall? know, that, that number had gotten as high as, as 80%. And then with the uh, Delta variant, it took uh, several weeks. It, it fell a little bit. But the, the very encouraging thing is actually went up again last week. Great. And it's tracked week by week by NRG. So it's in the it's in the mid to high 60% now. But I, I fully expect that it's going to now be on the track to build its way back up to the to the 80%. And I, I just want to add one thing. John, John wouldn't compliment uh, his own team like this or himself. But um, it was probably the most strategic thing that NATO has done, at least in my purview, keeping an eye on NATO has been what they did to help the small and mid-size exhibitors um, get the funding they need to stay in to stay in business. Now, the larger exhibitors, the public companies, didn't get to participate in that, but we were able to get tax refunds again, um, and it was helped legislatively. So, um, all of that helped um, to keep a lot of theaters in business and not go dark. And so, at the end of the day. Uh, I think that a lot of people are surprised at how many theaters are are now up back and running. So yeah, John, you know, you, you talked about it, and it was one of my questions, right? So, so the what is the gap between uh, advocacy and and action, right? And and you are very much behind the scenes, right, lobbying for for the industry, right? What do you believe is still needed uh, for cinema to have a voice, because it's critical and it's a critical part of uh, our cultural DNA. What are still things needed, in your opinion? Well, we, we still have some uh, elements to, to policymaking that affects our recovery, right? So, and, and we're working very closely with politicians everywhere on these, on these questions. Uh, the newest one is the vaccine mandate. Uh, and when Governor, I'm sorry, when, when Mayor de Blasio in New York announced the first American uh, vaccine mandate for places like restaurants and movie theaters, um, that's an issue that we, had to, that we had to address. And we're addressing it with them. We're addressing it in Los Angeles and San Francisco and New Orleans. And and the, and the idea is to operate safely, as we have been. Um, uh, and the idea is to encourage people to get vaccinated, which is what this policy is about. It, it's painful. We lose some ticket sales in the short run. But we're working through all those challenges. And so we're advocating for the industry constantly with, with policymakers. Uh, but coming out of the pandemic, we also need to advocate with the public about the availability of great movies, again, in cinemas that are open and operating and operating safely. And getting that message out uh, in an accelerated way as we come out of the pandemic is, is another important part of our advocacy. Uh, and then the last part of our advocacy is within the industry, right? As we've talked about the studios and we've talked about the creative community directors. And so we advocate with, within those 
uh, sectors as well. I want to ask you, uh, Mark, from a creative background that you've got, um, how do you look at streaming versus um, theatrical? Do you look at it the way we at one time looked at HBO and cable as a another source for content that I could view at home? Or is it really a... Um, a, a threat how do, and, and john you mentioned you you mentioned people who stream a lot watch movies a lot so they may be really really good customers what's, yeah. what's your take on it you know um streaming's got i'll say twofold john had mentioned it and that is you know netflix netflix grew up out of very high quality serialized television and have now recently gotten very significantly in the movie business and um, the one thing that hasn't changed, and I think this is really important, is you know, going back to when we were all growing up, the networks had their Saturday night or Friday night at the movies, and that was on network television. And then all those years I was at Disney, when we did sequels to Lion King or sequels to Aladdin, those were direct to DVD. Those, those, those sequels were actually going into the home via DVD. Well, now much of that is going to Disney Plus. Now, that doesn't mean that all of their titles are going to only be uh, spinoffs, but but a, a significant number of, of the shows that are on um, Disney Plus or other streamers came from theatrical movies that now have a spinoff coming to them. So I think it's actually complementary in this way. John mentioned it. It was it's clearly been uh, documented in the Ernst & Young report that came out last year, and that is that people who watch movies more actually stream more, and vice versa. These are high-consumption people of entertainment. So, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a matter of one versus the other. I think it's a lot of times people want to watch and enjoy good product, uh, television and movies in their home, and other times they want to enjoy that out of the home. So it's incumbent upon us as an exhibition business to motivate them with that cinematic, you know, immersive experience that they can't get in the home. And um, so I, again, and I think the content is there for us to be able to do that. And I think our facilities have been upgraded so tremendously. You know, during 2016, 17, and 18, we were spending hundreds of millions of dollars um, in upgrading our theaters. And not just Cinemark. AMC was doing that. Regal was doing that. Local circuits were doing that. So, you know, it's it's not your, uh, it's not a movie theater that you may remember from 15 years ago. You get, you get a nice glass of wine. You can get a beer. You can get a hamburger. You can enjoy a, a, a great movie along with amenities that, that make it very, very popular. Let me ask the three of you, all all of you, this has been a, a pivotal week, and I feel as if we're 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 halfway through, but we're gonna march out of here really with a sense of um we know what we got, we know what our product is, we know what the pitch is. What would you tell our industry and a lot of the people that are involved in our community work at Pixar, they work at, at Disney and Marvel and and Paramount and Sony? Uh, what would, what would you tell people, okay, here are the two or three things you need to be focused on to do your part in restoring the health of uh, this business that we, that we all love so much? John, I'll start with you. Uh, keep giving us great product, right? I mean, <laughs> we're, we're in the business of showing movies, and we have to have really great movies uh, uh, to, to get those customers to keep coming back. Um, keep, keep upping the ante on the technology involved in that. 
right? So that we're showing movies in the best possible way. Um, and, and keep, keep the faith, keep the partnership. We're, we're coming out of the biggest existential challenge that the movie theater industry has ever confronted in its hundred plus year history. And that resurgence is going to be very, very strong and very inspiring, but we need those partners to, to keep stepping up to the plate and giving us the content and giving us the high tech experience that we need. Coach, uh, what would you be telling your team? I, I would have, I would have said the exact same thing as John. You know, we, John and I, we could go on the road, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're good together. We could go <laughs> By the way, we have done this with studios before too. <laughs> yeah, this we, is not, this is not our first just rodeo. Just let women I be your warm up act. <laughs> Normally, we don't have a podcast audience, but we're saying the same things. Um, I, I think I'm going to bring up uh, a little bit of a downer, but I think it's important. You said, "What would I say?" I, I'm very active right now in talking to the studios about being a very aggressive partner in fighting piracy. You know, in the past, uh, most piracy or a lot of piracy started in the theater, people camcording, and they got m many times crappy copies. And we did our best with night vision and guards and everything we could to try and, and limit that. But, you know, when movies go in a day and date situation, or in, in too short of a window in a, in, a, in a home environment, you know what happens? You're putting a pristine copy over a digital mechanism that can, can go like that. And so, you know, to really look at what's the cost effect, not only to exhibition, but to your own business, if you provide a, con if you provide a big time movie that, that pirates can then get and ship around the world, it can start anywhere. Something can come in the US and literally, that next day or that night, it can be in, in China or somewhere. an awfully good copy off of a Netflix broadcast, right? right? So, so. so we, we think it's, it's not just incumbent upon exhibitors now, where a lot of it in the past came out of our movie theaters. We think it's now incumbent upon content providers and, and providing that content into the home and, and being cognizant of what that does to the whole ecosystem of the business. When, what, are your, what are you telling your troops? Well, you know, I think the first thing for us is... is keep on bringing this exceptional experience right to the audiences. We, we, we do believe that people coming to cinemas because um, it has to be a different experience, right? So, so that's our number one, I would definitely say. The other thing is that I think, and it's been mentioned here too, as an industry coming together, I think together we will build resilience um, as an industry uh, and come out of it strong, right? And, and I think that that's important to stay together as an industry. Um, but also, you know, referring to some of the things at the show, we need to capitalize on the things we hear today. We have, I hear people, customers of us saying, yeah, we, we want to do A, we want to do B. How do we get a better experience? We have to invest now to make sure we bring the audiences back. We need to get the audiences back and there will be an effort or a cost or whatever. And we try to be flexible on our side. I know a lot of the exhibitors do tremendous effort to, to bring that experience there, but the audience deserves it. And that's what we'll bring them back, but also keeps them with us. And so, so that, that are the three things I would uh, bring up, Jim. Mark, you've been a great contributor to this industry for so long. Is it difficult to retire at this point in your career? Uh, what do you hope the industry uh, yeah. is left with after you depart? You know, uh, Jim, I, I'm not sure what the word retirement means. <laughs> so, um, uh, look, I, I've been doing this for more than 40 years on both sides of the, of the fence. And I'm just very fortunate that I'm going to be able to stay involved, but I would call it more on a strategic level. So I'll stay on the Cinemark board. I'll stay on the national uh, Cinemedia board, as well as multiple others. 
and I, I will just no longer have the day-to-day -day responsibility on my shoulders and it'll be more of a strategic level. So I, I, I anticipate staying involved, but just not at the same level. Well, John's favorite movie, he says, is Gandhi, which is wonderful because it's a movie about a nonviolent uh, man of dignity who yeah. preached uh, uh, peaceful coexistence in a war-torn land. And I think that's a perfect movie for your role probably at NATO between the studios and the exhibitors. But what's your favorite movie, Mark? Um, you know, this is going to go back to my roots. And I have a lot of favorite movies, but I'm going to tell you when um, the Toy Story uh, series came out, uh, I was at Disney and was really able to work very closely with the Pixar team. And uh, we released the first one and I loved it. And then, true story, there was talk on the second Toy Story of potentially having that go direct to DVD. And when we saw a rough cut of it with the Pixar people and, and the Disney distribution people, we all gathered around a table and said, this movie is just so good. It just, it just needs to be a theatrical release. And so it, that also went, uh, and Pixar at the time didn't like to do sequels in the theatrical format, but they knew how good it was. So we, we took it uh, to theatrical as well. And then my favorite movie of all time is Toy Story 3. When it all, when it all wrapped up, Toy Story 3, that's my favorite and movie. And it won the Oscar. Yeah. So. Right. So stick around. So it's that series, but I'd, I'd say especially number three. Well, uh, we wish you every success. And John, good luck this week. Uh, thank you and your board, especially for getting this meeting done against all the headwinds. Thank you both. Uh, congrats for your leadership. Uh, it's, it's deeply, deeply valued. Uh, to close the show, our quote of the day comes from director Denis uh, Villeneuve, who said uh, he's not happy about his new movie, Dune, appearing both on uh, theater screens and HBO+. He said, frankly, to watch a movie like Dune on television is like driving a speedboat in a bathtub. It's a movie <laughs> that's made as a tribute to the big screen experience, and that's where it belongs. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, John, Wim, and the audience here at Cineonic World and CinemaCon, and thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Insiders is presented by Cineonic and produced by the Advanced Imaging Society in Hollywood. Our executive producers are Adam Castles in New York and Mike Piltzecker in Los Angeles. Brett Harrison produced today's show, and our technical director is Matthew Bach Lombardo. This is AIS. <laughs>